15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. Stadium. Juan Soto is the kid that keeps on giving as he wows New York <laughs> with two home runs. Wow. I mean, he's just the, <laughs> the young guy who just will not stop performing at a high level. 19 years old, wows New York, Yankee Stadium with two home runs last night and the Nats win over the Yankees. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Mass on All Access podcast. Bobby Blanco, Paul Mancano, and we're joined by a good buddy of mine, Matt Parrison, who works over at uh, NBC Sports Washington, has been covering uh, the Capitals run to the Stanley Cup. This past spring, and before we get into baseball talk, Matt, uh, you you know we went to the University of Maryland together. We were both in Sigma Chi together, and uh, we both have Sigma now Chi. taken Sigma Chi, now <laughs> taking uh, similar career paths. Obviously, you're covering everything in the DC sports area: the Wizards, the Capitals, the Redskins, and now I'm covering the the Orioles and the Nationals here in baseball. Got it on lock. And 95 is yeah. locked down. <laughs> and um, it's funny that we now both do similar things. Like just crazy how this industry works. Now you're producing. Facebook Live videos. Paul and I produce Mass and All Access on Facebook Live, Instagram Live, all that stuff. And um, just, just tell us how what it's like covering a championship run. Honestly, Bobby, it's really been the highlight of my career. Like I've been at NBC Sports Washington now since 2013 when I graduated in Maryland. And, and to see a championship run like this, obviously it's going to stay with me and stay with anybody that was part of it. But to be kind of a part of it, I, I, I did Capital stuff all year long. I was an associate producer on a lot of our pregame shows and postgame shows. I produced a handful of them as kind of the next man up, done a lot of the stuff for our website and everything. So I kind of had like, you know, I, I was following the team all year. And at no point did I or really anyone following them that closely think this was this was a championship team. You know, they didn't win the President's Trophy this year like they had the past two years. There was the new looks on defense where they brought in some young guys and had some changes throughout. And, and to see this team get over the hump over Pittsburgh, which in many ways was a championship in its own right, just given the history that this team has had, that was kind of like, oh, like they might actually be able to do this. Yeah. But then they had to play Tampa, best team in the East. They did that. Yep. And then you're like, okay, well, now they're playing an expansion team I, that, that's on a magical Cinderella run. It's like, of course this is what would happen. The Caps finally get to the Stanley Cup, and they're playing this team that just has a horseshoe you know, up there you-know-what, and they just – they can't – you know, Marc-Andre Fleury's standing on his head, and 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 they did, and they did it. And and really, Alex Ovechkin just following him and, and how he carried the team and getting his nets off – it was so cool the whole way to also see just how the city and the surrounding area, not just D.C., Baltimore, Norfolk, all the way down Virginia, the entire mid-Atlantic region here really grabbing this Capitals team and make, you know, making it part of their lifeblood here over the last month or so. We saw the watch parties at Capital One Arena where they were sellout max capacity and the games were in Las Vegas. Yeah. Watch parties all across Baltimore, all across D.C., you know, the suburbs, like – it has been really cool. I'm in goosebumps right now yeah. talking about this. Like, <laughs> I, want, is, I don't want you it, to stop talking because I love it. It's wild. And I was fortunate enough to be at the parade, and I was able to cover that. And, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a day of work. I was covering a Stanley Cup parade, like, yeah, literally yeah. down Constitution Avenue. So cool. They were in the, the double-decker buses. 
they're all waving. They're th- I'm walking next to Barry Trotz as he's throwing beads out the fans, and <laughs> people are throwing beers out to Teleontis and Brooks Orpic. Yeah. And you know, I, I was able to see you at the parade yeah. before it really got underway, and just having a few minutes just to kind of catch up and just take it all in. It was a beautiful afternoon, and and really just just what a moment for for DC, and not just for a team winning a championship, but for a city and for an area that's been deprived of one you know, for, for the better part of my, well, my lifetime. Yeah. 26 years, my entire lifetime, 26 years. The last time DC had any celebration like this was two months before I was born back in 1992. (laughs) And so I, I, as a DC guy and fan, I've been starving for this for 26 years. And, and like you said, I mean, it was kind of just like a dream come true, not just because it was the Capitals and they did it, but how they did it. Like you said, this was a team that wasn't even supposed to make the playoffs this year. Like this was, you know, this time last year we were talking about, they should trade Alex Ovechkin. They should start from scratch and, and rebuild. Uh, you know, Holpe was supposed to be the only good positive thing coming into this past season, and then he had one of the worst seasons of his career. And <laughs> didn't like, even start the playoffs. Didn't start the playoffs. <laughs> and you know, you look at it. The Caps they weren't supposed to come back from Columbus down 0-2 at home yep. to win. They did that. They won four in a row. They weren't supposed to beat the Penguins because they never beat the Penguins in the playoffs. They did that in six games. They weren't supposed to beat the Lightning, who were the best team in the East. They did that in seven games. They weren't supposed to beat Mark Andre Fleury and their former GM, uh, the Caps' former GM, yep. when the Vegas was the the dream team, you know, the Cinderella story of the right. whole NHL season, and they did that not in five games. Right. And it was just the not the fact that they did it, the way they did it was was picture perfect, and 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 it could not have happened to a better group of guys. Yeah. I mean, we saw Alex Ovechkin have a renaissance year, like we saw Ryan Zimmerman have last year for the Nationals. Alex Ovechkin did that this past year, scoring 49 goals. Um, and uh, we were seeing Evgeny Kuznetsov become a superstar in this yeah. league. He's probably the most overall talented player in all of hockey on the world in the world right now. Um, it, it was just an incredible story. And you got the, you were right up close watching it all. What was it like, the parade? Because like you said, we saw each other on the parade day. Uh, I was there as a fan, just soaking all. What was it like, just covering it? You know, your, your media access. You're, you're walking around with your camera and just seeing all the faces of the fans and the players and the coaches. I think what stands out. There's a lot of things that stand out. The first thing that stands out. I didn't know what to expect after we saw kind of like the Eagles parade in Philly a couple months ago. Paul. And, and I'm not like this isn't me like giving you know saying anything bad, but like that was just a rowdy party yeah. and and by and it, they deserved it and all that. And I'm not. Thank you. But. <laughs> But it was such a just happy celebration is how I describe it. You had the Constitution Avenue lined with fans all in red. You had the policemen that were the, the policemen weren't like enforcing anything. They were they were celebrating. They yeah. were leading the wave. They were leading chants of let's go caps across the street. It was so just well like behaved. I'm not saying that like a parent. Like I'm just like in <laughs> awe of like the, everyone was just so happy to be there and be a part of it. And I think a large reason why and kind of what contributed to that is the Capitals wanted to celebrate with them. We yeah. saw for days leading up to the parade, they were out in Georgetown and Arlington, the bars that like we would go to, you know, just for fun on a Friday or Saturday night. Yeah. The Stanley Cup is there with the Conn Smythe winner yep. and the Rocket Richard winner and Alex Ovechkin and Evgeny Kuznetsov and Jacob Ron is going to get tattoos. <laughs> like this team was so down to earth, so relatable. Yeah. And you know I, I looked at the Orioles and the Cap- and the Nationals both supporting the team. And, you know, we saw Chris Davis and Trey Mancini wearing Capitals jerseys and just wanted to kind of be a part of this. You kind of just want to, like, be able to, like, kind of grab yeah. on and be a part yeah. of it. The fans did that to the team, but the team did that with the fans. And that, I don't know if we'll ever see something like this again where a team was so willing to party and celebrate in public without it being complete debauchery. It was just such a cool mixture of all of it. 
Bobby, yeah. you mentioned that uh, you know I am a Philly fan, and being an Eagles fan, having seen it, seen a championship run that was very similar to this Capitals one, so many actually similarities that I didn't start to pick up on until recently between the Philadelphia Eagles this year and the Washington Capitals group that wasn't expected to win it, yep. underdogs through a lot of this stuff. Uh, you know, a great group of guys that, you know, were embraced not just by the city, not just by the area, but by the country. Yeah. I, mean, I think a lot of people have, especially, you know, and after seeing the way that Ovechkin has gone viral and all these fans are not just hockey fans, people all across the country are appreciating what he did and appreciating what this team did and enjoying some of the run with that, too. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, it was it, when you get to that point, um, you know, when they start to make this run. You know, Bobby was so nervous, and you get so <laughs> nervous as the team goes along. Sick to and my as stomach. they get more and more attention, it be you know it start it's it feels great, but then they get to that point, and you say they got to win this thing yeah. now with all of the pressure behind it. Now all the, the national spotlight is on them, all the celebrities that jump on the bandwagon, all the you know you you at that point it's so much harder to get to that point and lose, I believe, mm-hmm. yeah, um, than to just lose outright. And the fact that they got there. Uh, you know, they not only broke the curse of not getting to a conference championship, but winning the right. conference championship and then winning the Super Bowl or winning, the, you know, Stand the cup. for me. But same thing. Yeah. yeah. It's the exact same thing. And it's, uh, you know, that is what makes it special because it's not only do they, you know, hit the expectations, they exceed them, and then they blow everybody's mind. Well, you we talk about the Eagles and, and the Capitals. Don't forget about the cities themselves. The two exactly. cities that deserved it. Yeah, like, exactly. The Eagles yeah. never won a Super Bowl. Uh, the Phillies' last championship was the Phillies in 08, right? Yeah. Um, well, same, same, almost same time span. They went 25 years mm-hmm. without a major championship, Yeah. Uh, which was almost the exact same time right. that, that D.C. did. Yeah, so 26 years. And 26 years, only one team had made it to the conference finals, mm-hmm. and that that's, was the Capitals. That's just crazy because there's been so many good teams, you yeah. know. A lot of them have been the Capitals, and like the Nationals have had teams that you know people were like, "Oh, this is a hundred win team. They're yeah. going to go to the World Series." Mm-hmm. So that's that. To your point, is so cool that they, they checked off so many boxes. Yeah. You know, they got to exactly. the finals, exactly. the conference finals. They, yeah. they got over Sidney Crosby. Like yeah. they did it all in one postseason, and and they had so many guys emerge. You know, simultaneously, you had Alex Ovechkin and Yannick Kuznetsov, guys that you kind of expected to be superstars perform. But then you had your Devontae Smith Pellies, your Lars Ellers, these guys that also stepped up. So, you, I mean, it was the perfect storm. I mean, that's what it takes to win a championship, yep, you know? Yeah. It, you had Jacob Rana, right. Nathan Walker, an Australian right. Nathan rookie. Nathan Walker plays one game, gets yeah. an assist like, yeah. it, it, against Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's, and, and a game, and a series deciding game. Yeah. Uh, it was game six. So, um, it was truly incredible. And, and uh, we talk about the Nationals and, you know, I don't think – nothing against the Nationals or the Wizards or the Redskins or whoever. I don't think what we saw at the parade on Tuesday would have been the same had it been the, the Nationals to win it or the Wizards or, or even the Redskins just because the Redskins have been so bad. for. I think it had to be the Capitals to win it for this town. And and uh, be, like you said, they've been so good for so long. This is what we've built for since we drafted Ovechkin mm-hmm. 14 years ago. And this is why – you know, this is why we're here, and this is what we've been waiting for uh, this entire era. You know, obviously the Nationals have only been around since '05, and they've only been competitive since late 2011, 2012. So I think in order to see that reaction and kind of this this joyous celebration, it had to be the Capitals to do it for this city. And and no offense to the other teams again, but it was just the way it should have been. Right, and and it's just you know, 
part of the reason it was so special and part of the reason the parade was so special and part of the reason being part of it was so special is because there's been so much heartbreak. Yeah. And that's really yeah. what goes into exactly. it. You know, when the Ravens won the Super Bowl in 2012, for me as a Ravens fan, it was really sweet because the year before, the heartbreak of Billy Cundiff missing the field goal and Lee Evans dropping the touchdown. Yeah. Like, you know, yes, the Ravens had won a Super Bowl prior to that in 2000. But for me, that was so sweet because it was this vindication of they got over this exactly. adversity with the same core group of players. It yeah. wasn't just a, the same team name, but all new guys. Right. Yeah. And with the Capitals this year, it's your same cast of characters by and large that have gone through the heartbreaks and the downs of losing to Pittsburgh year after year or the Rangers after having a 3-0 lead. They finally did it, and it was the same guys. And Barry Trotz, who's a guy that's been around forever and had good teams in Nashville, for him to get over that hump, I think it really did add that just extra layer that you're only going to get from a team yeah. that unfortunately did go through a lot of lows. I feel like that's the perfect transition to talk about the Nationals because <laughs> they are a team that has made the playoffs so many times in the past few years. And you're just waiting for them to get over the hump. It's a, the same group of guys that they've had. Bryce has been here the whole time. Gio Gonzalez has been here almost the whole time. Max Ryan Scherzer, Zimmerman. Ryan Zimmerman. Max Scherzer added midway through that process. Now it's talking about getting over that hump. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is a season where there are plenty of expectations, unlike the Capitals. It's, you know, it's a season where they're expected to, for what seems like the millionth time <laughs> in the past decade, expected to win it all. Um, but here we are in mid-June saying all the same stuff of, you know what, they really could do it. And the hope is that they take some of that energy, the passion, the fact that they were buddy-buddy with so many members of the Capitals, and maybe not use it as motivation, because as Ryan Zimmerman said, look, we're all motivated to win no matter what. Right. But use it as kind of a, a way, uh, just winning is contagious, as we've said. And it's something that, you know, they should hopefully take and, and be able to to channel that good energy, that vibe, not feel the crushing weight of expectation of we got to break this curse. Yep. Just say, hey, let's go out there and play. We've already won a championship in this city. Let's win another. And that's my point. That's, that would be my point is that not only is this a weight lifted off the capitals and this city, but the other professional athletes in this town. Yeah. Like now you're not being – once October comes for the national, you're not being faced with these questions from all these reporters. Being yeah. like, all right, what's it going to take this year? What does it mean for – if you could do it this year for this town, this city, it's over. Yeah. It's over. The curse is broken. We have a championship. We had a parade. Yeah. Now you're kind of like, all right – we're not going to be pressured with these questions yeah. and, and feel the pressure from the fans. You know, we've been at Nats Park for playoff games, Paul, and it's nerve-wracking because the everyone's, expecting, everyone's expecting the palpable. worst. And to be fair, you know, up until a week ago, yeah. we, we've only experienced the worst. So yeah. now that that pressure has been relieved, I think it's easier for these players. Now, they also have to make it to October. Yeah. The NL East is better than I think people, most people mm -hmm. expected. But once you get there, it's like, all right, Let's just play ball. Yeah. You know, we, there's no pressure to – we don't have the weight of this entire city on our shoulders. Exactly. We just have our own pressure. It's, it's just playing ball. One quick thing about that is I think that that's a real thing. I do. Oh, absolutely. And, and I agree. some people might say it's not. There, It is. I, I saw it firsthand in Philadelphia with the fact that Markel Fultz is somebody who missed most of the year for the Sixers and then came back at the very end, and the fans openly embraced him. Five years ago, six years ago, I don't happened. think that happens. Totally I think the fans – have something against him. The Philly fans have a, a bad reputation, but they're tough on their players, I'll say it. And I, I think we saw a, a palpable transformation of their fans just giving their players a little bit more break, giving them a little bit more rope, saying there's not as much pressure 
we're, we're satisfied. You know, we, yeah. we, the one thing that we've been waiting our whole lives for, we saw, this is kind of a little bit of icing on the cake. We want them to win, but it's, we're, it's not going to break our hearts if they lose. Look, we, we've seen Capital One Arena, formerly Verizon Center, where you, you could cut the tension with a knife, yeah. you know, that cliche <laughs> of watching games. And yeah. Nats part the same way. I, I think, you know, fast forward to October, the Nationals are in the NLDS mm. or, or whatever round. I don't know if fans there will be consciously thinking, oh, man, like I was there for game whatever of the Stanley Cup run for the yeah. Caps, and I had a lot of fun, so I'm going to have a lot of fun now. Like, I don't know if fans will go into the stadium thinking that, but I think on a macro scale, just collectively, just that yeah. burden being lifted off their shoulders, it will be a different atmosphere. It will be a little bit lighter. It'll be a little bit more fun, and I think that'll be who the Nationals players yeah. because they just won't feel it as much, even if it's not a conscious, oh, well, four months, five months ago, this happened with the Capitals. Yep. Same thing with the players. Ryan Zimmerman, whoever you ask, they're going to say, yeah, we want to win no matter what. Of course yeah. they do. Yeah. And I don't think they'll go into their first at bat thinking, all right, if Ovechkin can do it after 15 years, I can do yeah, it. Right. Right. Like, right. That's not going to be going through Zimmerman's head. <laughs> I know. But – but not having to deal with those questions after and beforehand, yes. I think will definitely have a tangible effect. Yeah, it's the weight, like I said, the weight of the whole city. It's just completely lifted. You know, yeah. you're just free to go out and play, perform, do your own thing, and you know, you're not facing the city's demons. You're facing your own demons. And I think that's almost easier to go exercise yeah. than you know than the whole bigger picture yeah. of of this entire town. And the DC sports fan base is is a complex. You, Entity, it is, and um, it absolutely I'll go is. into it right now. It's very scientific, but um, you know, I, I agree that I don't think every fan is going to be clinging on because I think there are Nationals fans who aren't DC sports fans. That yeah. makes sense because there are there are just true baseball fans in DC who only care about baseball and nothing yeah. else. And I think that's a lot. Those are probably the Nationals' biggest supporters, but even they have to be able to feel the pressure kind of relieved because, okay, this town finally has a championship. Yeah. Now the Nationals can go to play. We can just focus on ball. Um, speaking of ball, on, on the field, yes. the Nationals have some good players back. Uh, we talked a long time about how they're struggling in the standings in terms of they're not in first place like the people expected them to be. But we always said, you know, they're banged up. They're hurt. Adam Eaton is finally back now playing healthy. And Daniel Murphy comes back this um this week in New York, and uh, let's actually have, give a listen to Daniel Murphy only went 0 for 4 in his first outing, but then he actually got on base uh, the second game in New York, and um, here's what uh, Davey, Mur Davey Martinez had to say about Daniel Murphy's first game back from the DL. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to say Rusty, just, you know, his timing could have been a little off, but, um, you know, I know I know he's going to hit, you know, so we, we get him back, uh, see how he feels tomorrow, and then we'll go from there, but um, he's going to be fine. Uh, I like the way he ran down the first base on that ball, so it looked pretty good. So as Dave Martinez talking about Daniel Murphy, obviously, you know, you don't want to go for the plate, but it's Daniel Murphy. We know he's going to hit. We know he can get back into the swing of things. Uh, what, what, what does Daniel Murphy bring to this Nets lineup now that he's back from the 60-day DL, Paul? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if he's fully healthy, if he's 100%, he brings so much. Defensively, that's a different story, but – Offensively, he led the team in batting average each of the last two seasons. He hit 347 two seasons ago, 322 last year with pop. That that was always the uh, you know the the bash on him was you know he, he hit well with the Mets, but he didn't have the power to go along with it. Last year and the year before, he did. Um, he is a huge huge help when he's fully healthy to this lineup. I don't know if he's going to be quite as productive as he has been. That's my biggest concern. I mean, there's. We don't fully know if he's going to, you know, some guys have come back from this injury and been just fine. Some guys, it's ruined their careers. I don't expect it to ruin their, his career, 
But to have this serious microfracture surgery at 33 years old uh, is tough. And I'm glad they didn't rush him back, but he might feel the effects of this, especially if, you know, if they're playing late into the season. Yeah. And, well, like you said, it's, it's a tough injury to come back from. They're almost a little lucky in the sense of their scheduling right now because they had an off day Monday. Yeah. They played two games in New York at Yankee Stadium, so you get the luxury of a DH, mm-hmm. which Murphy DH both nights, and now they have an off day today, Thursday, and then they're going to Toronto to play another American League team where uh, Murphy can DH. And he even said, you know, I'm probably not going to play every day. I don't expect to, yeah. but, you know, if I feel good, I'm going to go out there and perform. And I think that's just another dangerous bet. Well, when he's out there yeah. and he's healthy, he's the best hitter, pure hitter, in, I think, all of baseball. And I think that does – wonders for this lineup especially we have Adam Eaton at the top of the uh, top of the border yeah I think a lot of this this time of season something coming back from an injury like this where the Nationals aren't in desperate need of him to come back yeah. they're one game out in the NL East they've treaded water they've, they've more than treaded water despite yeah. the injuries and if you're able if you're Dave Martinez you're able to kind of put some of these guys back in the rotation slowly and yeah. Adam Eaton slowly back in and not overexpose them and same thing with Murphy. You don't need him to go in there and hit 330 out of the gate and hit 20 home runs. And you, to your point, we don't know what he's going to be coming yeah. out of this injury, but we do know going into the season and before the injury, he's been one of the most consistent hitters in the National League yeah. for, for a long time. Yeah. And in baseball, a known quantity is so valuable. And to have that in Murphy, even if he's a little bit down from what he has been, yeah. that's still such a boost. And they're so fortunate. They, they are where they are, and they've managed to great. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a lot to be said to the play of guys like Wilmer Defoe who have stepped mm-hmm. up uh, in Murphy's absence. And now, you know, I'm not saying he's going to take a back seat, but, you know, he doesn't have to play every day. He's still a young guy, young uh, player, still evolving and growing, accustomed yeah. to playing Major League Baseball. And now he can, you know, there's not as much pressure on him playing every day and to perform. Not that he wasn't, yeah. but he's still a young guy. And Daniel Murphy, obviously, is a big leader in that clubhouse, too. Guys to look up to, young guys like Defoe, Juan Soto, yeah. uh, and, and he's a leader back in the clubhouse, and, that, and that's going to pay dividends, too. I mean, it really can't be overstated how good the Nationals have been at getting guys to fill specific mm-hmm. holes. You talk about a team, you know, the easiest comparison to make is the Orioles. You have guys that come in with lowered expectations, and they don't even reach them. It's, it's rare that they exceed expectations. They end up, you know, guy, a lot of Rule 5 draft picks, and guys who are, you know, just kind of bouncing around, veterans like Craig Gentry, and guys like that, that don't fill that specific role. The Nats get the Jeremy Hellickson's. They get the a, young guys. A, an Oriole last year that yeah. they traded for. Exactly. For who hopefully struggled. a playoff push, who didn't do well at all. Exactly. So. Um, they, you know, they get the young guys. They get the Pedro Severinos to come in. They get the Juan Sotos. They make these, you know, these guys, it, it definitely credit to them for making the most of their opportunities. But credit to the Nats organization for developing these guys, for the front office and bringing in these guys, and the coaching staff for knowing how to use them. Yep. Jeremy Hellickson, tough, shrug, really struggles, third time through the lineup. Right. You know what? Let's just throw out – let's just pull him after the sixth inning, even if he's almost throwing a no-hitter perfect game. It, it could be 80 pitches in and exactly. coming out. They, and that's what happens. They are all on the same page, and they get these guys to fill these specific roles, whether it's veterans or young guys, so that the injuries almost don't matter. That is, for another NL East team, that's got to be incredibly frustrating Mm -hmm. because you think maybe the Braves or Phillies, this is your year, and they say, no, we we have the depth 
in our organization to replace these guys. Yep. And, and if, I mean, there's some of the look at the offseason transactions. Matt Adams, another former Oriole, Mark exactly. Reynolds coming over, hitting, hitting six home runs now. Uh, Steven Strasburg goes on the DL. Eric Fetty comes in and pitches well against the Yankees in New York. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> well, I mean, wh- where does it end? I mean, Mike, Mike Rizzo, the general manager, just won his 800. No, 800th game as a as a Nats GM last night, and that's an incredible feat for him that he's built this team from top to bottom, yeah. minor leagues up the way, and you know, they perform and and they had the pieces like, like even the Jeremy Huxton thing. When you have a plan going into the game, knowing all right, you're not going to face in the third time order. Yep. you allow yourself to set up the bullpen the right way and then get the W. Yep, and I think they've had yeah. it all planned out from the start, knowing that Murphy's going to be out for yep. a period of time. Adam Eaton has a history of injury, so we have to be prepared for him. And even facing adversity, you know, Juan Soto is not supposed to be up here. It's yeah. supposed to be Victor Robles. <laughs> right. Yeah. And he goes down hurt with a bad injury. Now we bring up Juan Soto, and I, you could call it luck, but, I mean, he's, the kid's just playing well. He's raking. And, and, yeah. he, and he's, you can't pull him out of the lineup now. No. It, so much of it is, make, you know, taking advantage of your opportunity, and that's, a, that's such a good point. Like, Juan Soto, 19 years old, shouldn't be up here right now, much less contributing the way he is. I mean, two home runs yeah. yesterday at Yankee Stadium. But taking advantage of an opportunity, but he's also coming into a situation where he is set up to succeed. Exactly. And yeah. The the onus isn't on him to be the face of the franchise. Harper might not be batting at average wise where you want him to be, but he's getting on base. He's homering still. Yeah. He's still he's still Bryce Harper. Yeah. And Anthony Rendon chugging along. Again, maybe not quite where you want him to be, but he's chugging along fine. So when guys like Adam Eaton or Alwan Soto come up and they're healthy and they're they're young, it doesn't matter what the situation is. They're not being thrust in the situation where we're like, hey, guys, we're 10 games back in the NL East. We, right. We're built to succeed. We need to do it now. Yeah. They're just, okay, here's how it's been going. We'll take whatever you can add and we'll, we'll just add to it because the status quo so far has been good for them. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'll – not, we talk, I talk about Mike Rizzo. I think a lot of credit needs to go to Davey Martinez, too, of yeah. being kind of that even-keeled, level-headed manager. You're like, yep. hey, you know what? I mean, it's early. We still got time. We still got guys on the way yep. back. Uh, there's no need to panic right now. You exactly. know, let's relax and, and just play a ball and have fun with it. And as a first-time manager, you can see easily him making the mistake on the other side, you know, and saying, you know, I'm, I feel pressured to yeah. – you know, to make this have this team win now, we're third in the division. Whereas we, you know, ran through it last year. It's all going to fall on my shoulders. I need to make these tweaks. He's patient, and that's something that you usually see with the older managers, with the Dusty Bakers. But Davey Martinez has shown amazing patience, uh, and he's he is on the exact same page as as Mike Rizzo. You know that they had a conversation when they signed Jeremy Hellickson and when they brought him up from the minor leagues to say uh, that you know, let's only pitch him through about six, seven innings. Uh, if we have the bullpen pieces behind him, we'll throw them out there. And they were on the exact same page. They know exactly what they're doing with their pieces. It's really impressive. When Davey came in uh, during his press conference, you know, he was asked the question, you know, you interviewed for this job a couple years back mm-hmm. and you didn't get it. What makes you think you're – why are you qualified now? Yeah. He's like, I, I wasn't ready back then. I wasn't ready to take the helm of a major mm-hmm. league ball club. The years I've spent under Joe Madden has really taught me how to be, you know, manage guys, get to know guys, become, you know, their friend, but also their manager, and, yeah. and know how to run a baseball team the right way. And I think we're seeing that now. He he is ready now. This is his club. This is his team. He knows how to do it. The guys love playing for him. Bryce Harper said he would run through a wall for him. Um, <laughs> so I think it's you know it's kind of him being brought up the right way, so to speak, under yeah. Joe Madden, but also being ready. Now this now is his time. He's ready. He knows how to do it, and he's taking full advantage yeah. of it. 
It's also being able to wear a Capitals hat during batting practice when Bryce Harper is adamantly supporting Vegas and still yeah. being able to hug yes. him and high five him. Well, yeah. it's weird it's, to see. <laughs> it's weird now to see Davey without the Capitals. Yeah. Like, he's wearing a Nats hat now because of the, the yeah. Stanley well, Cup's over. I'm like, what are you, wait, wait, what? Why are you wearing that? <laughs> Your head looks different. He yeah. was perhaps the biggest supporter. I mean, you had Scherzer, Zimmerman, and maybe Martinez was the yeah. third biggest supporter of the Capitals. He's team. always a, he's been a huge hockey guy. He grew I mean grew up around Tampa, which is actually funny because he's he was I think he's a Lightning fan. But yeah. even when he was in Chicago, the Blackhawks won a couple World uh Sorry, Stanley Cups. Um, so you know he's been around winning, winning teams, and, and, and no, he's a big hockey guy. So I, no surprise that he took to the Capitals very well. Yeah. Um, but let's, let's touch on Juan Soto again. The two home runs last night. I mean, he's. I, I think last night was his twentieth game. Uh, you know, he has five home runs. He, he's batting really well. He's playing serviceable defense out in left field. Um, and that, let's hear from him because after last night, he talked to our uh, our Masson's Dan Coco on the field. Thank you very much, guys. Juan, a big win for your team and two home runs from you tonight. How have you been able to seem so comfortable at the major league level so early? No, just keep doing my things, keep doing the same I did in minor leagues. A uh, couple, couple things that the veteran players tell me, and that help me much, but keep going. What have they been telling you? Just. Be myself. <laughs> be myself and don't be pressured. Be patient and keep playing. Have fun. You've done so so much for this team early on. H has any part of what you've done surprised you? Um, not that much, but I keep doing uh, the same thing I was doing in minor leagues, so I feel the same here. This is your first experience in Yankee Stadium. A, a lot of fans here making a lot of noise, a very good ball game. What did you think about playing here? What was your experience like here? No, that was pretty good. It was pretty good. I was in the left field just <laughs> see see what happened. If the ball comes me, I'm going to do the play, just thinking a lot and try to do my job. My hair was too fast. <laughs> Congratulations, Juan. Thank you. Guys, back to you. He's batting 344. He's 19 years old, batting 344, an OPS over 1,000, five home runs, 12 RBIs. But, guys, to me, the most impressive thing about Juan Soto so far this season is his strikeout to walk ratio. He's walked 12 times and struck out only 11 times. That's <laughs> amazing. He's 19 That's years old, showing this patience at the plate, and it's just incredible to, with, to watch. With how many plate appearances in the minors. That's the other thing. Right. You know, not like, you know, he was drafted at 18 and has played every single game. He's a guy who struggled with injuries and missed time. He play, had, you know, 500 games, not even, uh, under his belt in the minor league level, or 500 plate appearances and before getting this uh, yep. call up. So it's incredible what he's been able to do with so little experience. And you you had some interesting stats, Matt. Yeah, but I, the, the, the performance he put on yesterday at Yankee Stadium, and we're, we're taping this here Thursday, so it, what, what's amazing, youngest player, youngest player to hit multi-homer game, since Andrew Jones, 1996. I mean, we all like yeah. we barely. I would say we all remember. I mean, 1996 is what forever ago. Yeah. Andrew Jones burst onto the scene. It was yeah. one of the most productive hitters for a long time. Yeah. We're like he is in this category. I was talking the, the Andrew Jones, the Adrian oh, Beltre. Yeah. like these guys that just Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. That, what was the other stat? First teenager with a multi-homer game against the Yankees since Ken Griffey Jr. 1989. Yeah. So like 
what he's doing right now at the plate is literally on a historical level with guys that are either a Hall of Famer or yeah. at least we're talked about being a Hall of Fame level for an extended period of time. Yeah. And if you look no at pressure, it, though. No yeah, pressure. Yeah, no pressure. <laughs> Just, I mean, I, I thought uh, Mark Zuckerman from MassSports.com had a funny tweet. Like, his, his post-game wrap-up last night was, um, a 19-year-old oh, – a young left-handed slugger wowed the crowd in New York in a Nash- from Washington – and his name is Juan Soto, yeah. not Bryce Harper. Not yeah, Bryce Harper. <laughs> We're talking about Juan Soto being yeah. the star of this team. I mean, Bryce Harper, like you said earlier, is, he's still doing Bryce Harper things, but Juan Soto's been by far the biggest story coming out of this yeah. n- this club yeah. over the past month. And how valuable is that, that it doesn't have to always be Bryce Harper? Yes, like, for exactly. him, like, it doesn't always need to be him. Like, yeah. we expect it to be, and it probably will be most of the time. Yeah. But even just for two weeks, for it to not be all about Bryce Harper and for him to get to the clubhouse and not, you know, be mobbed by reporters and people want to talk to Juan Soto. Dan just talked to Juan yeah. Soto after the game. Like, that over 162 games, we always say it's such a grind. Like, that's huge to yeah. be able to have everyone kind of carry the load. That's going to benefit this whole team, you know, what Harper or, or whoever down the line just because they don't need to feel like they are carrying this team on their shoulders. Do the, do I, do I, I was just going to say, Howie Kendrick, you know, we despaired when he went down. It's early. They might miss him eventually. Right now they don't miss him. That's the crazy part. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, to Matt's point, I think it's setting them up for a good postseason run. Because yeah. you're in a good position right now in June. You'll be in a good position by the All-Star break. Once you get past the trade deadline, you know, August, September, the dog days of August and September, yeah. that's when you're really going to need veteran leadership and your big guns to step up and, and perform well and not really rely on some of these young guys to fill in the roles. And I don't mean to say, like, pessimistically, but, like, by August, Juan Soto might slow down. The league might adjust. They're going to yeah. figure out the book on him. He's only 19. Maybe that patience wears off yeah. when he starts to struggle a little bit. But okay, at that point, he'll he's already done more than people expected him to. Yeah. And if he does take a few steps back at all, which is you know just by the nature of it, just kind of you know how history has shown 19-year-old hitters don't do this. We just said 1996 yeah. and 1989 were the last time we've seen something like this. Well, at that point, you're expecting your Harpers and your Rendones and your, your Adam Eatons at that point who will, who will have a lot more batch under his belt to st- uh, Daniel Murphy as well to step up. So yeah. it's just a perfect system. And we talked about the Capitals earlier where they kind of passed the buck and we had different guys during the postseason kind of step up and you know share the load. It wasn't always Ovi and Kuzi. This is a good example and a parallel of how it can happen in baseball. Yeah, I mean, through the first 20 games, Juan Soto's hitting 339. In comparison, Bryce Harper hit 230 in his first major league games. Juan Soto, four home runs, Harper two. 11 RBIs for Soto, only five for uh, Harper, and Harper had struck out 16 times. So That's I mean, crazy. It's, it's incredible that through the first 20 games, yeah. small, Soto, size, small sample size, but Juan Soto's playing a lot better than yeah. Bryce Harper did. So the future is bright for this young kid and for this Nationals team. It also, you know, we talked on our Orioles episode about Manny Machado being the biggest storyline for the Orioles and his trade deadline. Obviously, when you look at the Nationals, the biggest storyline is Bryce Harper entering his free agency year at the end of this season. The play for Juan Soto and then you also the prospect of Victor Robles. Mm -hmm. If the Nationals, I mean, people have said that the Nationals are actually probably still the favorite to re-sign Harper. But even if they don't, it's not like you're losing a whole lot because you have young guys in place to, to fill in that role and perform at a high level. Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing. Yeah, and it's young guys, but it's also guys with really high ceilings. Like, yeah, yeah. It, you know, it's not guys that are drafting Rule 5. It's yeah, these guys yeah. that have come in. They're young, but they have flashed. They're on every top 100 list you could think of. Like, you know – the cupboard isn't bare for this farm system, and that's what good teams do. And that you know, we've seen it. We've seen teams let star players walk and still be okay. The Cardinals let Albert Pujols walk. Now, granted, he was a bit older, and that's yeah. not a direct parallel to, to Harper, but they were okay. Like you, 
just because the face of your franchise and you know a surefire Hall of Famer is going to walk doesn't equal the future being bad. Yeah, yeah. It'd obviously be better. Yeah, but it doesn't mean it's going to be bad. Yeah, exactly. They would still be better with Bryce Harper, right. and they still might resign him, obviously. Um, but yeah, it it it's at least gives you hope that. If and, he doesn't, it's not the end of the world. And it also gives you leverage. If you're the Nationals and yes. you're negotiating with Har- with Harper and his agent, it's it's not like, oh, you know, the, the selling point can't be to the Nationals, you need Bryce Harper because yeah. your team doesn't have anything. Well, no, we have Juan Soto who did this. We have Victor Robles coming off this injury. He's yeah. expected to do this. Hey, we're good. Like, yeah. you can take X, you know, demands of dollars because we think we're all right. That's huge for negotiating leverage. Yep. And in terms of negotiation, kind of segue into – uh, before we wrap up our final bit of tidbit today, the Nationals today announced that uh, Ted Lerner is going to be stepping down from the managing principal owner position and heading over to his son, Mark. Um, we kind of figured that would be the case sometime soon. Yep. Uh, Ted Lerner is a 19, uh, 92 years old. 19. <laughs> 92 <laughs> years old. Uh, but, you know, this is kind of a thing that's going on um, in the background for a little bit, um, and uh, we're very happy for their family, and it's a, it's a good, a happy day for their family. And then confirmed by Major League Baseball today, voted – Unanimous approval by all their owners. So that was just another little tidbit of news coming out of Nats Park on a, on a strange off day. Um, for um, there's the a there's a nice picture of Ted with with Ted yeah um, with you know down at Nats Park the other day with the uh, Stanley Cup in town when the Capitals all came. So that's pretty cool. just another example of how something has kind of brought all these teams together, these yeah. different ownership groups yeah. together, guys that maybe don't cross a ton of paths in the public eye. Um, it's just kind of cool to see kind of yeah. the meeting of the minds, if you will. Yeah, and it was another reaff reassuring thing to see that you know it's not health related he's he's in right. good health yeah, you know he's exactly. just you know it's probably just the strains of being a, a manager <laughs> at 92 <laughs> how many people much. are working at 92 yeah, right? Right. <laughs> he's earned his t- time yeah. off for sure so we wish him well and obviously mark's gonna do a wonderful job yeah. uh managing the team from now on um matt thank you so much again for joining us we know you got a busy schedule it's a busy time of year for yeah. you with <laughs> stanley cup champs in town um at matt Parison on twitter underscore I don't Matt forget the underscore, underscore Parison. I should know that because I'm at Bobby underscore exactly. Blanco. There you I go. Know that. And you're at Paul Mancano. I am. Uh, no but if you want any more Stanley Cup coverage, please give Matt a follow and follow all his good work at Matt, uh, NBC Sports Washington. And then obviously, Paul and I have you all season long for Nats coverage and O's coverage or any baseball talk you want. Um, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud. Rate, review, and subscribe. Let us know what you think. And uh, we'll catch you next time.